right, hello out there again. This is Beck Barnes and Jim Stebbin coming at you with the world-famous Cotton Companion podcast here this fourth week of April. It is the post-Easter week. This is actually today as we pod is the Monday after Easter. So y'all will have to forgive me as I'm in my Reese's Easter Bunny Egg hangover. Those things are too addictive, and I generally hurt myself whenever I get around too many of them. So forgive me for that. Uh, But whether you are in California or the Carolinas or at any point in between the Pacific and Atlantic in the great American cotton belt, we want to welcome you back. Uh, I am joined today, as always, by my partner in crime, Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Hello, Beck. And, and at our house for Easter, it was always the uh, the caraway cream eggs Oof. were always the uh, the big hit. But uh, I fortunately stayed away from them. So Good for you. Uh, good discipline there. I, I can, it's, it's truly addictive. The Reese's, I will ride until I go to my grave. I will ride for the Reese's Easter egg little candies. And I'm kind of there with you. And I think the only reason I didn't get involved too much with Caraways is because they were gone before I could before well, I could steal them. You got so. a few extra mouths around the house that are uh, putting a putting a dent in your absolutely, takeaway. absolutely. Um, so before we get started here, we do want to have a quick word from our sponsor of today's episode, which is Enlist. This episode of Cotton Companion is brought to you by the Enlist Weed Control System. Ready to help you control tough weeds with 2,4-D choline featuring inherent low volatility. Okay, so we know y'all are preparing to plant out there as this weather is warming up. It's As we pod, it is a beautiful day here in Memphis uh, in the 70s going to be. Uh, rain is nowhere in the forecast, finally. Um, here in the Mid-South, here are in the farming communities near Memphis, we know that it has been insanely wet. Uh, I had a buddy recently tell me that he texted me. He said he, that he's had 80 inches of rain since October on his place, which is just uh, amazing to me. And I've seen other farmers. Our good friend Sledge Taylor, former Achievement Award winner, posted some similar just jaw-dropping numbers of the amount of rainfall that you guys have had in the Mississippi Delta, and I'm sure over in the Arkansas Delta as well. So, um, you know, bless y'all's soggy, wet hearts. We know that... Uh, it wouldn't be a production season if we weren't having some weird weather happening somewhere out there. It's always a different curveball, it feels like, as each season approaches. So uh, we're thinking about y'all. We hope it dries up. We know that y'all are starting to look at those planting windows. And so, um, yeah, we'll be hoping for, hoping and praying for best possible conditions for y'all from here on out. Uh, we got a great episode today. We're doing things a little differently. We're going to bring you uh, a more streamlined version of our news segment, uh, uh, but it's going to be as informative as it always is. And uh, then we're going to have a Market Minute update with our good old friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, analyzing all those bulls and bears out there in the market. And then uh, finally, we're going to wrap things up, as always, in our One Big Thing segment. Yeah, One Big Thing, not One Big Theme uh, segment, where we are going to be talking sustainability, if I'm not mistaken there. That's correct. So, uh, you know, we got a great episode and uh, we kind of rearranged our order here on the podcast. We are now going to bring y'all a brief custom content segment uh, featuring our own cotton grower custom content editor, Miss Robin Sichtberg. She recently sat down and spoke with Enlist Technology Specialist Haley Neighbors. So we are happy to bring you that custom interview right now. 
Hello, I'm Robin Sitford, Custom Content Editor at Meister Media Worldwide, the publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. I'm here with Haley Neighbors, who is the new technology specialist with Enlist, to talk about the Enlist Suite Control System. So welcome back to the program, Haley. Thanks, Robin. I know uh, some of the growers out there have been experiencing some spring weather delays, and I was wondering how that might impact weed control efforts. Well, I think weather delays can be extremely frustrating for cotton farmers, right? Uh, they're extremely anxious to get into the fields because they want to get that crop in and get it off to a good start. So it can be really tempting to try to find shortcuts, primarily with weed control in the scramble of trying to get things planted. But I think early season weed control um, is extremely important to help that late planted crop get, get up and get established. Okay. And I know residuals are important. And why, why are they so important? Residuals are extremely important to get in there and get those weeds knocked down early uh, because pre-emergence herbicides can really help us keep those weeds in a more manageable window. So if, if we can keep those weeds in that four to six inch height that we recommend, uh, we're going to be seeing better control from our post-emergence herbicides such as Enlist Duo or Enlist One. Okay, perfect. Well, I know some farmers are still going to have to uh, use post-emergence applications of the Enlist herbicides. And what tips do you have for them? Some of the tips that we've been talking about throughout preparing for application season is really making sure we're starting clean with effective burn down and a pre-emergence herbicide with some residual activity. Because as, as I just mentioned, we're going to be better positioned to make timely, uh, effective post-applications of the Enlist herbicide. Okay. Well, perfect. So where can growers find out more information? For anybody looking for more information about the Enlist weed control system, they can do so by visiting our website, Enlist.com, or they can follow us at Twitter, at Enlist Online. All right. Well, we've got to wrap up now, Haley, but I really appreciate you being on the program. Thanks, Robin. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we thank you, Robin, and thank you, Haley Neighbors, of our sponsor, Enlist. Uh, and without further ado, I want to turn things over to Jim here, who is going to lead us in a focused discussion of all the news of the day. So go ahead, Jim. Thanks, Beck. Uh, we're going to go through, like he said, we're going to go through these news items fairly quickly because, uh, again, if you want more detail on any of these, you can certainly go to cottongrower.com and, uh, and find more details and links to additional information. Uh, first of all, USDA <clears throat> has announced the, well, the Commodity Credit Corporation of USDA has announced the 2019 crop loan rate differentials for Upland and for the extra-long staple cotton. These differentials, which are also known as loan rate premiums and discounts, have been calculated based on market valuations of various cotton quality factors for the prior three years. Uh, the calculation procedure is identical to that used in past years, with two exceptions for 2019. Upland Cotton now has a reduced discount applied to color white Leaf 8 Upland Cotton, and a new plastic extraneous matter category has also been added for Upland. And then ranges for extra long staple length discounts have changed from prior years. So the, the differential schedules applied to this year are 52 cents per pound for the base grade of Upland Cotton and 95 cents per pound for extra long staple cotton. These rates, along with rates for other commodities, uh, you can certainly find posted on the Farm Service Agency website. And I would suggest if you have questions, that would be the place to go. Next, uh, we've got another, a new dicamba herbicide 
uh, in the market, moving into the market this year. Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology from Syngenta has received registration from US EPA for use in cotton and soybeans. Uh, according to the company, Tavium is the market's first premix dicamba herbicide containing built-in residual control to help manage resistant weeds and help keep fields clean through, uh, through the season. The product will be available for the 2019 growing season, subject, of course, to final state approvals, and eight cotton belt states have already granted those approvals, so you should be in good shape. I think others are coming pretty quickly from what we understand. Other, uh, forgive me, other... Other state approvals. State approvals, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Tavium can be used pre-plant, at planting, or early post-emergence on, obviously, extend flex cotton and on Roundup Ready to extend soybeans. So there's more details and links to the product webpage uh, and the article about this, again, on cottongrower.com. Yeah. Always love to see a new product enter the market. Uh, from our standpoint, we know from y'all's standpoint, um, Without going too deep into this, we know that uh, 30 years ago, there were a lot more products available to y'all, and and so uh, more diverse uh, uh, options for you is, is a good thing for the farmer. You guys have uh, more choices, and, and you're able to, to call your own shots there. So happy to see Syngenta enter that cotton yeah. herbicide market. Absolutely, and I think the, uh, the state uh, weed specialists have been working with this, obviously, and it's are factoring it into their recommendations for this year exactly into which window it best fits uh, moving as we move into planting and application season. Uh, next item, uh, it's been a very popular piece of information since we posted this on cottongrower.com and also seen it on other out news outlets as well uh, on April 18th. But Wrangler, our friends, the, the friendly, uh, friendly jeans folks, have created the Wrangler Rooted Collection. It's a limited premium line made from 100% sustainable, traceable to the farm cotton. And each piece is grown, milled, cut, and sewn here in the U.S., strictly a U.S. product. Now, this collection features five state-Pacific pairs of genes, two of which, the Alabama gene and the Texas gene, are already immediately available. Three others, the Georgia gene, North Carolina gene, and Tennessee gene, will be available this summer. And the reason they're named this way is the cotton used in each of these genes is traceable to a family farm in each of those states, which were the first growers participating in the Wrangler Science and Conservation Program to promote stewardship and soil health as part of the company's sustainability initiative. Each state gene or each state design will include a unique wash finish, plus trim and patch details that feature the state's silhouette, Collection is also going to include two t-shirt designs for each state and three national designs for t-shirts. Wrangler's part of Wrangler's overall goal to source 100% of its cotton from farms using land stewardship practices by 2015. Now, the social media response to this within the cotton industry has been highly positive and nothing short of almost phenomenal. Uh, this Wrangler rooted collection is initially available through wrangler.com and through certain participating retailers. And you can find pricing and other details at wrangler.com or just follow the links in the article that, uh, that you'll find posted on cottongrower.com. Yeah. Uh, a neat deal, uh, the, uh, to be totally honest with y'all, when I first heard about this, you know, I, I'm interested in it. I like the idea of having the, the state silhouette on the, I guess it would be on the back leather patch. On the, the back leather patch and, and also on the, uh, on the button. 
yeah. in front. Yeah, so that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, you, you, all of us in the cotton belt have a lot of state pride, whatever state we may be in. So, uh, you know, I'm interested in wearing one of those. Uh, I used to wear Wranglers when I was a cowboy, when I was a kid, I, when I would, you know, I say I was a cowboy, I used to ride horses and I would When you played cowboy. Yeah, I was always a little, my stepdad was uh, happy to remind me, my rear end was a little too narrow to put it in a PC terms, uh, for, to be wearing Wranglers and a whole lot elsewhere. Uh, but uh, they're great jeans and uh, yeah, I may go, may go have to get me a new pair. I, I'd love to see them come out with a miss. I don't know if they have plans to do a Mississippi one. I'm from Mississippi, but I, uh, I'm in Memphis now. So well, I think one of the one, and one of the and one of the questions that popped up on social media was why don't we have Arkansas jeans? Why don't we have Mississippi yeah. jeans? Well, part of it is grower. There's there are no growers in those states yet participating as part of this uh, science and conservation program that Wrangler has. Obviously, as more growers and as that program expands, I think the the, the gene expansion will also occur. Yeah, uh, but a cool program, and it is and it's a great truly, program. I'm, I'm interested in it, and I bet it's going to take off. Yeah, uh, I think we'll both be shopping. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a no, absolutely. And finally, USDA has started its weekly crop progress reports again, and last week cotton made its first appearance on the list. So as of here we go, as of April fifteenth, seven percent of the 2019 crop has been planted, and that's primarily thanks to. Arizona, California, and the southern parts of Texas. Nothing unusual, you know, from there, from this timing. But there were also some very small, let me say very small, percentages reported in Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma, no doubt, are some very brave souls who just felt like they had to get out and uh, and, and get going while fields were drying out and, and perfect. So we'll obviously be watching these numbers each week, and we'll try our best to keep you up to date as the planters start rolling across the rest of the cotton belt. Yeah, those guys who are planted right now will be the ones who inevitably, one of those ones down in South Texas, which they will be harvesting in mid to late June, and we'll run a story on it, and somebody up in the High Plains or north of there and upper southwest will say, I'm still planting. Or I'm just getting started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so anyhow, yeah, yeah good. We're, good. Those, uh, y'all will see uh, the crop progress reports from here will be a staple in this podcast as we keep going forward because that's interesting information. Absolutely. But that's the news for this for this segment. Very good. Uh, Jim, I uh, appreciate you as always. As we mentioned earlier, uh, we recently, I'll go from one uh, interview segment to another here, we recently had a good talk with our main man, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, a regular around these parts, be it uh, at in-person events or on the podcast or in the pages of Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, and Jim interviewed Dr. Cleveland. Jim, would you say uh, the good doctor is bullish on 2019, or was he hedging his bets at the moment? I would say it's it, OA is always as bullish as he, he can, as he can possibly he be. Is, yeah. Even in the face of bearish conditions, he will always try to find that little little spotlight of, of bullish activity to, yeah. to try to hang on to. Uh, I think right now, and what you'll hear in the uh, in the interview is the market the market can be bullish and bearish. Depending on your on your total perspective at this point, and I think he po- he will point that out in 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 the uh, obviously in his comments. But I think the most important thing is right now it's it's a realistic approach, and uh, he's got some recommendations for growers. Uh, if they're watching the market and want to know when they need to start pricing and uh, you know placing and setting hedges and uh, and getting ready for for this year. So uh, I think it's uh, it's it's a good informative interview. Uh, 
the uh, as usual, even though we try to keep this to a mark, you know, the market minute, uh, you know, it's it's in this case is 10 minutes plus. There you go. What's well, a man with that much knowledge to share? It's tough to rein him in. And so it's impossible to rein him in. <laughs> so, all right, we're, we're going to let him tell you how he feels himself in our market minute segment, which is coming at you right now. Welcome to the Cotton Companions Market Minute for this episode. Uh, we're visiting today with Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Professor Emeritus of Ag Economics at Mississippi State University. O.A., it's been a while since we visited, so uh, thanks for joining us again today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I think the last time that we had a chance to talk was back in early March at the, uh, the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show, and a lot of things have happened since then. Uh, we've had USDA release their prospective plantings report of 13.7 million acres. We've had an April supply and demand report that could either be bullish or bearish, depending on your perspective. And planting season is getting off to a pretty wet, sloppy start throughout most of, uh, of the cotton belt, although a lot of cotton has not gone in the ground at this point. Based on all of these things over the last few weeks, where where may this year's cotton production be going, and, and kind of what are you hearing from the field right now? Well, to touch base with that, let me just first say, come back and say, you know, at, uh, at the Gen Show back uh, early March or uh, late February, I, I was extremely bearish, as bearish as I have been in a long, long time. I saw a number of factors that suggested that, but since then, the things you point out of the time that passed, and uh, the, those very bearish things have almost completely exchanged. I changed my attitude about this market completely. I'm a little bit optimistic, uh, not wildly bullish, but a little bit bullish. I still think we have some upside potential. I think the uh, certainly the old crop July is trying to get to 82 cents, or maybe 83 cents. The new crop deck, uh, I think, is trying, struggling mightily hard to get up above 79 cents and to push 80 cents. Now, whether or not it can get above 80 cents, but it's certainly possible if the July goes up to 83, 84 cents, and that would be our absolutely top technical objective, and that could probably pull December to 81 cents or so. But uh, I, before we get too involved in that, I'd just say I think 79 cents or north of 79 cents in, in December, I'm really ready to hit the price button two or three times, hit it hard, make it light up a bunch of times. Uh, the... Uh, the, the Chinese situation, uh, all along we've talked about this. It's not about cotton. It's not about things. It's not about agriculture, period. Agriculture got caught in the trap between the U.S. and China when China decided it wanted to put, start putting tariffs on ag goods. And so that introduced ag. From the U.S. perspective, the tariff situation, the embargo of the tariff situation is totally about technology, and we can develop uh, the various uh, technological aspects of that, but that's what it's about. And so that gets resolved. That's going to happen. Uh, and once an outcome is made that we've come to a resolution, and it's probably much closer now than, than ever before, uh, still uh, China has, has a long history of uh, not abiding by trade agreements, uh, totally ignoring them. So there will be a very significant carry caveat there that uh, this trade tip could heat up again just as soon as it's announced it's over if China does not live up to it. So cotton is caught up in that. Uh, somebody made a comment recently that July was right at 92 cents when the tariff was announced. And with it being uh, uh, just uh, 
uh, you know, less a little bit short of eighty two cents. They said, well, it's twelve, thirteen cents decline because it's there, uh, which really makes absolutely no sense. Uh, uh, there are a lot of things that have changed since that time. In fact, uh, the fundamentals are very much the same. The USDA still said we're going to ship 15 million bales. That was the number then. And we do have a decline in U.S. consumption, which would not have it, not play into that at all. Uh, it's just a shutdown of mills. It's a big white oak mill. We're still suffering from that in the Carolinas. Uh, so, but, but, but given the, 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 the excessive moisture that's Throughout the mid south, throughout the southeast, even over into East Texas, uh, that has this market extremely concerned. They're predicting the Mississippi River will uh, not crest till it gets to the uh, essentially the 1973 flood levels, and that's when cotton got up pretty close to a dollar. Now, absolutely no question, from based on a flood and a water standpoint, I would say there's zero chance we're getting anywhere close to a dollar on this particular flood. But it has the market nervous. It's what we say two or three times the year the market kills the crop. So right now what's going on, the market's kind of killing the crop. We'll have, we'll, we'll miss some planting more than likely with these rains that keep coming. We'll have some, some, some low land, uh, cotton land in the, in the, in the Mississippi River basin that's not going to get planted. Uh, but at the same time, growers, uh, the corn's out, out the door now. There may be a bag or two of corn that gets planted just because the rural farmers bought it. But the uh, cotton folks, uh, they're, they're switching what corn land they didn't get in. In some cases, it's, it's, it's a good bit in particular farms, but in some cases they got it in. But they're switching that land out of cotton. Beans are the odd man out. Growers, by and large, are going to do what they can do not to plant beans. So that means it's going to cotton. We could still end up with another 100,000 acres more than the USDA planning intentions report suggests. And that at 13.8 million acres, that uh, is a very interesting year in planning intentions. The uh, cotton grower report, that uh, y'all came out in, uh, at Beltwide at 13.8. Most of us said that's too low, y'all were wrong. I do, rem- right? I do remember those comments. <laughs> yeah. And that's well, they were there weeks uh, it just, it just, just not acceptable, and it was based on the Texas number, and the bad laws. And, uh, the, uh, Cotton Council came out with a number, about 14.2, 14.3, and said, ah, finally, yeah, that's a real number. Uh, USDA planning intentions didn't come along and, uh, validate, verify the Cotton uh, estimate. Uh, all three of those estimates historically have been pretty goddamn good, so, but one of them's going to be an outlier this year, or one said it's going to be an outlier, and what's it going to be? I would guess it's going to be the council number, uh, but who knows just yet. Uh, but it does show us that instead of looking at uh, at least the 23 million bale crop and potentially a record U.S. crop, even up above 24 million, and we're probably looking at a 21 million bale crop, but this rain doesn't let up. We're looking maybe 21 and a half to uh, certainly well below 22 million. So all of a sudden this crop's gotten a lot smaller. Uh, so that's kept pressure under this market. The idea that this county situation is going to, to be resolved adds pressure to the market. We're beginning to see the Chinese come in and buy cotton. Uh, we're seeing not only that they're, when I say buy cotton, buy U.S. cotton, they have backed off of that. They do continue to buy Brazilian and Australian and African. But they are beginning now to buy some U.S. cotton. 
for their bills is strong and that's going to keep a little bit of underpinning under this market, keep us active. Uh, again, I would say it's based on the, the Chinese factor, the demand it creates, and the, the weather pressure this market is, is under right now. Now, coming fifth of June, first week of June, uh, and of course, we're counting on Memorial Day rains out on the high plains of Texas. It's unbelievable. We, we, may, but, have, we may have the flood in the Mid-South on Memorial Day. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I can remember walking through Cotton on July the 4th in the Mid-South saying this was never made, and it was turned out to be a record year mm -hmm. to date. So, you know, I always say what happens tomorrow. But we're starting to see a little bit of uh, soil temperature dryness out in West Texas now, uh, getting, getting a few drought spots there. So they will, in fact, need them Memorial Day rains to get that crop up, to get as big as it needs to be. So there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty based on weather still in front of us and it will be with us for another for those 45 days or so, maybe 60 days. But uh, So the market's going to maintain its nervousness. The market's up 120 points tomorrow. It's down or yesterday. It's down 70 points today. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of volatility mixed in it right now. But we do see that the textile mills around the globe are inquiring almost every night. That tells us then that there's demand out there. It's just when are they going to pick it up? Uh, we're seeing a lot of open interest increase in December, uh, but we're not seeing an open interest increase across the market per se, and that's a little bit troubling. But we're seeing some in December, certainly seeing it in July, but the July open interest increase is coming selling May is based in maybe uh, give way. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm still very positive this market. Uh, I do which would, would say again, we we were struggling to get December above 78 cents. We get right up there and fail. Uh, I think touching 78 cents is going to push us pretty quickly toward the 79 cent level. And to me, we start getting the 79 cents and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm saying growers need to open up their order books and start looking some cotton and feed that market because it's telling you it's hungry. I'd like to say wait to 80 cents, but I'm a little bit concerned about that. If if we get to 79 cents, or when we get to 79 cents, if 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 I'm a grower, how much how much of my crop, what percentage of my crop should I go ahead and lock in at that? I'm going to be at least 50 percent. At least 50 percent. Okay. Yeah. At, at my point, I would suggest to you probably go ahead and run up to about 70% sold at 79 cents. Yeah, I, you know, I can build a case to take it on up into the 80s, but uh, that's, that says come come August, uh, late July, August, we, we're in a drought situation. But we've got a El Nino year, uh, so we should have plenty of moisture in the growing, growing region. So just by and large, it says uh, we're going to, we're still, whenever this crop gets planted, it should be a good crop. Abandonment should be reasonably small. So 79 cents looks pretty bad gum top heavy to me. Sounds good. OA, thank you again, as always, for your time and, and your insight on the markets. Uh, we certainly appreciate you being with us today, and, uh, and we'll be checking back in with you soon. That was great. Remember to give that gift to Kyle. Will indeed. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of the Cotton Companion. Okay, well, uh, thank you to Dr. Cleveland. Thank you, Jim, for uh, doing that interview there. So uh, finally... We want to bring you our one big thing for this episode. And uh, Jim, it's, I believe it's something that I've hit on in the podcast before. I know I hit on it in our 
Was the April issue I did the sustainability story? The sustainability story was in the April issue. Yes, indeed. To remind me when I wrote the stories that I wrote. <laughs> um, yeah, so sustainability uh, is really having a having a moment in the cotton industry right now. And it seems as though a lot of the brands, the companies that play in our market are recognizing that. Certainly a lot of the associations that are involved in uh, bolstering cotton, bolstering cotton demand are recognizing that uh, our sustainability efforts, which to be sure, you cotton growers have been doing long before it was trendy, being good stewards, taking care of the land, cutting down on applications where you can, uh, suddenly that's very marketable comp- uh, uh, quality. Uh, consumers are starting to pick up on that, and so the brands that make clothes are picking up on it. And so all of that is a way to say, you're gonna hear a lot more about sustainability in 2019 and going forward. And so, Jim, I know that you uh, have compiled some notes to that effect too. Uh, what are you What are you hearing? Well, let's you know. Again, earlier earlier in the podcast, we talked about Wrangler and their Rudy collection using 100% sustainable cotton that traces back to the farms and their in the, as part of their science and conservation program, with the overall goal of sourcing 100% cotton from farms using land stewardship practices by 2025. Um, Programs such as we've talked about in the past, programs like Cotton Leads and the Bitter Cotton Initiative uh, have successfully provided some solid information on cotton sustainability to the textile supply chain for years. Uh, we understand that Soil Health Institute is now getting involved by kicking off a, a new sustainability initiative for soil health in conjunction with Wrangler and with Walmart. Uh, so as you see, in, in, we've got an, an awful lot of textile brands and retailers, as Beck mentioned, uh, we're continuing to look for more standards and verification uh, regarding cotton production. And it was really and truly it's time to put a more consistent standardized measure for sustainability in place to help meet market needs. So a year or so ago, the National Cotton Council appointed a sustainability task force to gather information and answer questions based on the needs and requests that the supply chain was asking. That information, in turn, was used to develop some sustainability goals for the U.S. cotton industry to meet by the year 2025, and six goals were set uh, for this program. A 13% increase in land use efficiency, a 50% reduction in soil loss, 18% increase in water use efficiency, 15% reduction in energy use, 39% decrease in greenhouse gas emissions, and a 30% increase in soil carbon. So out of that task force and out of those goals came the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, which is now being launched by the National Cotton Council uh, to help achieve and measure these ambitious goals. Uh, the program is, uh, is a voluntary program. It requires enrollment by cotton producers. Uh, it's being developed as a user-friendly website-based program that will allow enrolled growers to monitor their sustainability progress and eventually be able to compare their numbers with those within their geographic region and or compare what they're doing with the program throughout the entire cotton belt. Uh, The National Cotton Council has hired a gentleman named Ken Burton, uh, who's been in the cotton business for 26 years. He joined the council in January to head up as as executive director for the protocol. And... uh, I talked with Ken. I know Dr. Gary Adams has been out doing a lot of meetings and talking about this uh, program, but 
the, the nuts and bolts are, are, are this, basically. The first step in this is enrollment. Producers are going to follow directions on the protocol website welcome screen that will provide basic information such as name, farm location, and cotton acreage. And they'll be asked to create a username and password that will allow them to log into the protocol site when needed. Second is a self-assessment covering nine different categories. And it's soil health, nutrient management, water management, crop protection, harvest preparation, wildlife habitat, fiber quality, traceability and farm management. And there are going to be a number of questions covering these topics for producers to answer one of four different ways. They can either answer it, I'm doing this now for most of my fields. I'm trying this on one or more of my fields. I will consider it in the next three years or it just doesn't apply to my farming operation. After that self-assessment, Enrolled growers must agree they're using a data tool, uh, such something like the field print calculator or another qualified data product to collect and monitor data for best management practices. And then finally, uh, those who are enrolling will complete a statement of commitment to responsible production practices to help safety and environmental awareness and continuous improvement. Uh, there's a lot of working parts in this. I have been it's been described to me as it's it's really, it sounds a little onerous in, in places, particularly when you get into answering the question, uh, but it's going to be a very simple process. Uh, there will also be a second or third part verification put in place uh, to us help establish a transparency that the market is looking for. Uh, these verifiers or people who will be verifying all this will review the answers from producers to make sure the, inquir- the requirements of the protocol have been completed. This was all going to be done on a random sampling basis. And as, uh, as Beck said, obviously, we're all going to be hearing a lot more about this during the year. Uh, the protocol website, the self-assessment questionnaire, and other details have been in continuous internal review for months. The next step plan is a pilot program with about 200 producers, likely beginning later this summer, to help evaluate and continue development of the protocol with the goal of officially launching it at uh, Cotton Belt Wide in January 2020. Yeah, it's a great rundown of that program, Jim. And, you know, ultimately what we're talking about here is making cotton more attractive to consumers who are very conscious of these things. Uh, And we can't do that unless we keep score, unless we take note of all the ways that we are being more environmentally sound, sustainable, uh, better stewards of our land. And the good news is people are paying attention. The good news is we got a great story to tell. You know, if people are paying attention, they'll just listen to us. We'll tell them, right. You know, Hey, we are kicking butt on this front, especially compared to our competitors, man-made fiber. When you get, I don't want to get too far off onto that discussion, but you're talking about pieces of clothing that do not biodegrade and will be, out there clogging up the oceans and water systems for years and years and years to come. Cotton has the better story to tell there. We're natural. We biodegrade. Anyhow, I don't want to get into my tree hugging diatribe there, but uh, yeah, absolutely. We cannot tell. It's easier messaging to tell that story. If you guys participate in this program, the council's rolling out and, and uh, you know, be, be a team player in that way. So. And I think, I think the key in all of this is when you, when you get into it is, is developing 
consistent standards and measurements that can be used across the board in all cotton production. Uh, and regardless of the sustainability program, whether it's something that Wrangler's doing, whether it's something that Soil Health Institute, things, Cotton Incorporated, everybody involved in this, we're at least putting some standardization in place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Got to, got to have an agreed upon standardization if you want to keep that score like I was Absolutely. talking about. So anyhow, Jim, I appreciate you uh, leading that discussion right there. We want to pause, hear a very brief message from our sponsor, Enlist, and then I will be back to get you out of here. Cotton farmers are learning that the Enlist weed control system foils their toughest weeds. Those who've planted phytogen cottonseed with the Enlist trait are able to use either Enlist 1 or Enlist Duo herbicide post-emergence to tackle tough weeds. Even with wet springs and delayed planting, Cotton farmers can adopt a program approach using a burn down and residual herbicides along with Enlist herbicides to keep fields clean. Both Enlist herbicides contain 2,4-D choline. This form of 2,4-D features inherently low volatility to stay on target after application. In addition, soybean farmers can now plant Enlist E3 soybeans commercially. They'll get the same excellent weed control benefits in high quality, high yielding soybean varieties. So, whether you're planting cotton or soybeans, or both, take advantage of the exceptional weed control and on-target benefits of Enlist herbicides. Learn more at Enlist.com. So, all right, that's going to just about do it for this, the 46th installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, we want to thank uh, Dr. O.A. Cleveland for joining us, as always, so uh, helpful, so available to us and to you guys, uh, and he offers a great wealth of expertise, and we are we appreciate that. So uh, again, uh, thank you, Dr. Cleveland, and we want to thank you, dear listeners, for joining us, as you always do, and also thanks to our episode sponsor, Enlist. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, by all means, tell your buddies about us. Uh, they can get to our podcast in three easy ways. The first is cottongrower.com forward slash companion. You type that into your uh, your internet browser and uh, it will take you to a landing page where all 46 of these episodes are right there in front of you. You can choose by topic what you want to listen to. Second way to uh, make sure you're hearing every episode of the Cotton Companion podcast Subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you may be finding your podcast these days. Just search for Cotton Companion. You'll find us. The third and best way, in my opinion, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news. You can do that by going to www.cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe, and you will get a great e-newsletter that Jim works on. Be hitting your mailbox like clockwork every Tuesday morning. So, Finally, make sure you're following us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, we hope that you are enjoying our latest issue. should be the April issue at this point. And uh, yeah, we will uh, be with you all production season. We're excited to get going just like you guys are. This podcast is produced by Mr. Tyler Hatch, who works at the mothership Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I will be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Mr. Jim Stebman, we wish you all the best. And he works, and he works, and he works all day. God made it fun. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Cotton Companion. Visit Enlist.com to learn more about the Enlist weed control system and to hear from farmers experiencing the technology. 